My name is Amelia and I am the Children's Program or River Kids Director here at the River. Welcome to our virtual service. I am so glad that you could join us today. Today I want to take a look at the story of Joseph, one of Jacob's son, and how reframing himself in God's story helped him not only get out of it, but experience the most out of life. If someone says to you, there's a 50% chance of a snowstorm tomorrow. What is your reaction? Well, for me, honestly, I'm probably going to start with a grumble. Then say something like, I'm done with winter. It's March for goodness sake. Even though the sentence uh, reveals that there is an equal chance of the snowstorm also not happening. But my mind, quickly picks out and focuses on the negative outcome first. A research team from the University of California did various experiments and studied on how receptive the human mind is to negativity. They placed their subjects in situation where they were asked to mentally swing back and forth between negative and positive situations. And they concluded that on a basic level, the human mind tends to linger more in the negativity. Despite all the good things that keep happening, it is hard to let go of that one negative experience. And this may explain why many of us see life as a struggle. In fact, to say that everyone is somewhat struggling in life may sound more realistic than saying that everyone is striving. Last week, Charles talked about Jacob. The name Jacob or Israel means one who wrestles with God. From the moment Jacob was born, was in his mother's womb, sorry, he was jostling with his twin brother. He was born with his hand grasping his brother's heel. We learned that throughout his life, Jacob was not someone who was easily content with his situation. He felt like he had the short end of the stick in life. So he always needed to fight for everything, starting from the order of his birth, which led him uh, to lie and betray his older brother and his father. Uh, he then ran away to his uncle or father-in-law Laban who cheated him. So again, he had to wrestle over his wives and his wages for 20 years. And let's not forget the event in which Jacob wrestled with God himself. Now, despite being extremely wealthy and abundantly blessed, Jacob experienced his life as a struggle. Joseph, Jacob's son, did not have an easier life. Although he was favored by his father, Joseph's ten older brothers did not like him very much. In fact, out of jealousy, they threw him in a pit and sold him away to a traveler who then sold him away again as a slave to a captain of Pharaoh's guard in Egypt. I think it's safe to say that this is much worse than simply being born as a second child. This is a true injustice and totally undeserved. But let's see how Joseph dealt with his misfortune. Genesis 39 verse 1 says, 
Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, so he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Joseph, who was taken as a slave, did not seem to behave like a slave or a victim. He did not seem like he was wrestling or fighting his way out of his situation. Instead, it seemed like he had embraced his situation so well that he mastered it. I mean, how could his master see God was with him? Like, did Joseph have a certain glow to him? What could he possibly do? Now, we understand that just because the Lord is with us, it does not mean that terrible things stop happening. Joseph was later falsely accused by his master's wife of sexual assault and was put in prison. Genesis 39 verse 20 says, But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of uh, all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Joseph was again thrown in a pit, in a prison, but he was not acting like a prisoner. After just a few years, he was taken out of the prison and became the second person in command in all of Egypt. Genesis 41 verse 40 says, only with respect to the throne that the Pharaoh was greater than him. Joseph had gone through a lot. In fact, we could say that he had a rough journey and had all the reasons to be bitter and resentful. Being thrown away by your own family, the people that you grew up with, sold away as a slave despite having been born into privilege, and having to serve jail time for false accusations. We could see that Joseph was dealt with some bad cards in his life. But I wonder, how did Joseph himself see his life? How did he narrate his own story and make sense of his life? Genesis 45 verse 4 uh, through 9 says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourself for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years, there has been famine in the land and for the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you a remnant on earth and save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, 
but God. He made me the father, he made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Wow, talk about finding a silver lining, huh? I mean, this man had been thrown into a pit over and over again. For Lent, or 40 Days of Faith, we have been looking at the different stories of the Bible, trying to understand them through Jesus. So this makes me think about my own story. How do I make sense of my life? Do I feel like I've been dealt unfairly or favorably in this life? Do I feel like I have to constantly fight for injustice? Can I see God and acknowledge Him even when I am in a dark bed? Now, we often think that circumstances shape our stories, but I wonder if the way we understand and narrate our lives actually shape what they become. One summer day, I went to the beach with my two kids. They both love playing in the water, so I thought this would be a great day for everyone. On the way to the beach, uh, one of my children, I'm not gonna say which one, started remembering about how much they hate the sand and that wearing sandals that day was the worst idea ever. This child also talked about how they would not have a good time because of the heat. When we arrived at the beach and were walking towards the water, this child suddenly stopped dropped themselves on the ground and started removing sand out of the sandals, grumpily. And this child insisted to sit there for the entire trip. While the rest of the family played and cooled off in the water, took a break in, in the tent that we pitched and had some cold drinks and fruits for snack. My other child was having a blast, even said, this was the best day ever. I promise you, we went to the same beach and we traveled together. But my children's experience of that day was vastly different. The stories we keep telling ourselves become our prophecy, the framework of our experience. So when our stories are incomplete or misleading, they can really keep us stuck in the pit or the sand. Taking a positive attitude will lead to a better experience of life. Dr. John Sharp, a medical professional at the Harvard Medical School and UCLA, conveyed that if we want to change our life, we need to start by editing our own autobiographical narrative. So how can we be more like the child who got to enjoy the day at the beach? How should we narrate our story in ways that bring out the best out of life? My practical suggestion number one is choose our language wisely. Narrate our stories with wonders and compassion to ourselves and others because it's not what we see, but how we see our life can really affect how we experience life. You want to allow possibilities into your life and not continuously trapping yourself in a pit. We humans, uh, we get jealous, angry, and resentful. 
um, it's not easy to pretend to have a positive vibes all day. We cannot deny the validity of genuine human experience. Joseph understandably had some difficult emotions to process. Genesis 43 verse 30 says, Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to eat. He went into his private room and wept there. After he had washed his face, he came out and controlling himself said, Serve the food. Genesis 41 through 45 also revealed that at multiple occasions, Joseph appeared as if he was testing his brothers and navigating new ways to reconnect. But because he had clarity of his purpose, which was connection, he knew that eventually he had to shift his emotional gravity. So my next practical suggestion is take time and space to embrace and honor our emotions. Grief makes our heart fluid and soft, which helps make compassion possible for ourselves and also for others. I have truly enjoyed reading the story of Joseph. In particular, I very much admire the way he consist consistently plays himself in God's story and how this this is how faith makes a huge difference in our life. Genesis 41 verse, 50, 41 verse 51 says, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Embracing faith requires a lot of clarity to examine how our beliefs are shaping our lives. It also requires consciousness to detach from our false truth, our tendency for negativity, and embrace a wider and larger story, the story of God. So embracing faith is actually a very sober and courageous decision to live life. This leads to my last practical suggestion. Practice gratefulness every day. Assume that God is on your side all the time. That's what Joseph did, and it became his greatest testimony to those he met. His Egyptian master, the prison warden, the Pharaoh, and then his brothers, Gratefulness allowed Joseph to move between the dark and the light a lot more easily. Traditionally, at the river, for 40 days of faith, we collect stories from you, from all of our members. Stories about what we pray for, what we feel to be uh, God's responses to our prayers, and where we see ourselves in a larger story of God. I understand that it's easier to analyze situations when we are looking back on them in the past. But faith is about seeing ourselves in God's story in the present moment. So even if you feel like your prayers have not been answered, please consider submitting your story. Sharing them can connect us together and you never know who you may encourage or inspire with your stories. 
Also, if you want to chat about today's sermon or share some stories, I would love to do that with you in the discussion room after. Thank you for listening. Thank you.